This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's nutritionist, trainer, business coach, Joe Coleman. I've been following Joe for the last couple of years. Every time she posts, she is in my brain. It's everything that I've been preaching, lifting heavier, having a cocktail, living with balance and moderation, and enjoying your life. And because she's a professional, and I am not a professional in anything, I want her to come on and explain this, to back me up on what I have found, the balance, the lifting heavier, the cocktails, that it works. We're talking about why you should be lifting weights versus doing cardio if you're looking for physique results and fat loss, why you should be lifting heavier if you're approaching the end of your fertility like me, and why lifting weights is the best way to detox margaritas. Let's get into it right now with Joe Coleman. Hello. Hi. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. I love this virtual world. I feel like we know each other already. So (laughs) we have to so I'm not worried about it. Yes. Do you have a cocktail? You know, yes. I heard you say that you had one, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" And I ran to yes. the book. Yes, fantastic. High noon. Yeah, totally. Cool. It works <laughs> because you can have a cocktail and still look like you, which a lot of people don't get. Which is why <laughs> I want you here <laughs> to be the voice of someone. You said you call, call yourself a recovered obsessive sure. dieter. And I know you did what I feel women are taught to do, which is calories in versus calories out for weight loss. So do cardio seven days a week, burn all these calories, don't put a lot in and you'll lose weight. And that failed me. And I feel like maybe you too. Yeah. You know, one of the things that is tough about dieting is oftentimes for women, like we don't know that we're doing it until we're in it, right? So like a lot of times my clients will come to me and they're just like, I hate that I'm this way and I just feel, you know, like I'm not doing enough and I feel a lot of shame and I feel like, why can't I just stick with it? And I always say, it's actually like kind of not your fault. Before you knew it, you were probably dieting. The diet industry is so pervasive that like, you know, you could be 12 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old, and you just start a diet because that's like what women do at that age, you know? So I, I, I want to let people know that a lot of times you get to that point and you're like, holy shit, how'd I get here? At least for yeah. me, it kind of creeps slowly. And then all of a sudden I was thinking about food 24 seven. I'm like counting, measuring an ongoing kind of like calculation in my head, going to the gym three times a day. And you're like, how did I actually get here? And so for women who have been there or who are there and recovering perfectionists or, you know, chronic yo-yo dieters, people like me who gained and lost the same 20 or 30 pounds, like multiple yeah within a year, you know, I had, you know, all the, all the sizes in their closet and, you know, had the start date and it's all exciting and it's, you know, organized, you know, it's diet culture. There's so many things that are part of diet culture, but when I'm talking about this, it's mostly like it's rule-based, you know? So unfortunately it does make us dumber in a sense. It really makes us dumber because we're not, we're not thinking for ourselves anymore. We're having someone else like a coach or a book or something tell us what time to eat, how much to eat, you know, what foods to eat, food lists, recipes, you know, and so we like that because it feels organized and it feels like it's a control of some sort, but at the end of the day, it takes us out of our bodies. And so, and I, and I hate to say intuitive eating or, you know, stuff like that, or eating according to your hunger, because when I was in that place, and I'm sure you were too, if someone said to you, just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, you're like, I'm starving all the time. What are you talking about? So 
it takes a long time. It took me about three full years to make that switch. And I don't know how long it took you, Erin, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a process and you have to, and it's a scary process because there's not a lot of control. It really is about trust, right? And so it, it, you have to relinquish that control of like, I need to be counting. I need to be measuring. I need to be doing minutes of cardio. I need to have this many ounces of stuff, this many grams of stuff. It feels scary to leave that place because you think, well, this is miserable, but at least it's a familiar misery. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's out there. I don't know yeah. what into looks like. I don't know what not counting looks like. I don't know what not doing hours and hours of cardio looks like. And so it's scary to give up, but you know, you have to trust the old way is always going to be there. What's so funny about what you're saying now about like the counting and the three times a day at, in the gym, just recently, like after I wrote my book, I was actually doing a um, little, I did talk some margaritas um, at a gym and Kelly Vargo was there and she was like, <laughs> on the panel and yep. our mutual friend. And yep. one of the trainers there was like, when I said, I know it doesn't make sense, but when I stopped all the obsessing and the counting and just worrying so much about that, like I lost the weight. And this trainer was like, it actually makes a lot of sense because when you're living in that stressful environment all the time, your body produces cortisol, which makes you hang on to fat. And when you're always in this constant, like I didn't work out today, like I've seen you post before too, like you couldn't pay me a, like a million dollars to not work out. Like I'm going for a run or I'm doing something because it was just programmed and I was like anxious about it. When you let go of that, and like you said, you listen to your body and you eat when you're hungry, even though it sounds like simple. I never used to eat when I was hungry. I used to eat because it was a meal time and I wouldn't eat because it wasn't lunchtime yet. So I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna save my calories till lunch. I'm not gonna snack because it'll be less calories in versus less calories out. Thinking that I'm doing like the right thing. Oh yeah, never lost weight and I just, what was your aha moment to be like, I know you were doing the kind of the same thing, like with just cardio, you were afraid of the weights. What made you just try it a different way? You know, I, I mean, I do want to be fair. I was, I started weight training when I was 16 years old. So for me, you know, I have muscle on my frame at this point and a lot of it's old muscle so you know i'm able to the more muscle you have and you guys know this like the more muscle mass you have on your body the, the easier it is to stay lean and i know that's kind of like cruel to kind of think about but if you think about muscle it's the most metabolically active tissue in our body so the more you have of it the the higher your metabolic rate at rest the more calories you're burning at rest and so it really works well what i always say is like the best way to lose fat is to build muscle and i know that sounds kind of strange but if you yeah. think like an indirect way if you continue to add muscle to your, your body and your frame, you're definitely going to start to speed up the metabolism to the point where it's not going to want to, like what you're talking about, holding on to weight and holding on to fat. And so what, so I was lucky enough to have a base of strength, but I also, uh, for a lot of long time, especially when I was competing. So if you're listening to this and you maybe have never done a competition, fitness competition, I did uh, fitness competition for about six years. Wow. Um, if, even if you just have a history of chronic dieting, same thing, right? It's obsessive. It's, you know, start, start on Monday, get the Tupperwares out, get the food list, get the meal plan. Yeah. Like it's all that same exact mentality, except for, for doing a show, it's a little bit more extreme, but it's the same thing. So for me, the second I jumped, walked off stage, it was all I could do to control like myself just binging on everything because I had been so deprived, not only psychologically, but physiologically, my body is completely deprived yes. of what it needs. And so you're, you're absolutely right when you say that the metabolism slows down. It's actually called metabolic compensation, which is why you can have women who are legitimately not lying, eating 1,200 calories, 1,100 calories, and they're gaining weight. So like we can't bend the rules of physics. We know that like, right. you know, like calories in versus calories out is a thing. And we can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, but if you're, <laughs> you're, 
eating too many calories for, and that's ridiculous, right? If you think to yourself, I'm already, I'm only taking in 1200 calories. How am I gaining weight? It's because your metabolism has slowed down starving. Yeah. that point. It really has. It's slowed down past that point. And so there needs to be some reverse dieting that happens. And that's, what's really scary for people is like, oh my God, I'm going to lose weight. So my big aha moment was I had just finished up competing. I didn't have any more shows on the books and I was doing a whole bunch of photo shoots. So I was actually dieting for about nine straight months, like hardcore dieting. And when I say that, it's like very strict, counting, measuring, all of the things. And my body, I noticed just wasn't responding. I was at the gym three times a day. I was doing two, three hours of cardio a day just to maintain. And my physique wasn't looking the same. It was Like soft. what you were doing, it should have been better. Oh yeah. I mean like, right. are you, so the first time I dieted, like shaped right up. Like my, my metabolism is super responsive. But remember, I always talk about the metabolism like, like tires on a car. If you think about it, if you are yo-yo dieting and gaining and losing and gaining and losing, that's like putting mileage on your metabolism. It's the exact same thing. So the traction in the metabolism wears off just like it does in tires more miles you put on it. So it's not going to be as responsive the more, you, the more miles you put on it. So so yo-yo dieting isn't benign. Your metabolism doesn't react the same way every single time you diet. In fact, it re reacts a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And so with the history of that, um, I remember I had just finished up like my last photo shoot and I was so miserable. I was so disgusted by my diet food. And I mean, I just couldn't stand it. And I remember saying to myself like, okay, Jill, you have no more shows on the books. You have no more shoots. We have to figure this out once and for all, because this is unsustainable. This is, this is madness. Like, and I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm so miserable. I don't even care if I gain 50 pounds. This is bullshit. Right. And so I threw my hands up and I said, you know what? And I know this is funny because it's so stupid, but I said no. to myself, not prepping food this week. And I had prepped food every day, every Sunday for like seven years straight. I was like, okay, it's Sunday. Got to get my food, got to get my Tupperwares. I was like, I'm not doing it this week. I don't care if I end up McDonald's every single drive, like drive through every single meal. I do not give a shit because I just wow. can't handle this. Yeah. And what happened was... I got through the week and I didn't gain weight. And it wasn't, it wasn't the perfect eating I was used to, but it was like, fine. It was like protein shakes and protein bars and takeout salads. Like it wasn't the like massive the weight. And almonds and the <laughs> half a cup of right. weight gain that I thought it was going to be. And at the end of the week, I looked back and I was like, oh my God, I like can't believe I survived. And it's fine. And like, okay, so now I have evidence that I can trust myself and I don't have to be that neurotic. Yes. And so from there, I haven't prepped food since. That's like, that was like eight years ago. <laughs> wow. Just kept yeah. listening to your body and eating when you're hungry and making healthy choices. And I myself to have that like middle ground, right? So that's where the Moderation 365 curriculum came from. It came from this like one week where I was like, okay, I'm not perfect, but I'm also not like off the rails. Like I'm I would fine and I'm not gaining. And it was fine. My clothes keep zipping up, you know, and I haven't, I have not felt like stuffed into my clothes in eight years. Like I haven't felt that like disgusting, like, oh my God, I can't believe I just binge. Like, yes. but before, I was doing that weekly. I mean, literally like weekly. And so it took me about three full years. And when I say that now everything is automated, I hardly think about food. Like I'm able to maintain pretty effortlessly, you know, and the weight training helps. I think I do like minimal cardio now, maybe, maybe 10 minutes, a couple times a week. But oh my God, like, I hope people are listening to that. Like, look at her pictures, 10 <laughs> minutes, a couple times a week. Yeah. It's so hard. It was so hard for me to grasp that because I wanted to leave the gym and be sweating and feel yeah. like, like I wanted to see the number on like how many calories I burned. And when I weight trained before, I yep. was like, I don't even feel like I did anything. I feel like I need to go for a run. It's so hard for women to like make that switch. Like, okay, I worked out. I did weight training. But like yep. you said, now I can eat what I want. And I, I was going to ask you about this too. Like they say you can't like outwork a bad diet. 
and this may be like wrong to say, but I'm just being real. I truly eat whatever I want now, now that I put a ton of muscle on my body and I stopped all the cardio and I'm lifting heavier, it burns it. And I, I don't want to like send that message. You can eat whatever you want, but when you put muscle on your body, you actually can, but what happens is, and if like you learn, okay, so I'm, I'm, I, I just finished up six weeks with 130 women, taking them through the moderation 365 curriculum. And by the end of it, and when they first came in, they had a whole bunch of questions like how much of this and how, what should I eat? Like it was just the traditional dieting questions, right? What about fasting? What about, it was always like really minute questions and that's fine. And I, I I'm happy to answer those, but it always comes back to like, what are the big rocks, right? If we, I'm not going to tell you how many you know, grams of carb to have if we're not even addressing mindfulness. Like to me, that's like putting a bandaid on it, right? That's yeah. like treating celiac disease with Tums or something. So yeah. I could, in my integrity, just give a meal plan or recommendations or numbers or whatever. So instead we focused on mindfulness, uh, abundance around food, moderation, what that looks like, et cetera. By the end of it, like almost everyone in the group was like, I am eating everything that I want in the quantities that I want. And it's not over the top. So when I say, it's funny, because like around holidays, you know, or vacation, people will say to you, you know, I'm just, it's the holiday, just eat whatever you want. And the thing that people don't understand is when you've made this switch, you actually do eat whatever yes. you want, but you don't want the same things. Food never stops being delicious, right? If someone tells me like Big Macs are like, don't, don't taste good, I'm like, you're lying. They're fucking delicious. <laughs> right. Right. But you don't want them anymore, you know? So when you're not in that super physiologically, psychologically deprived state, you know, you are in a position to like be more discerning and have some non-negotiables and really honor and your biofeedback, like hunger, cravings, energy, fullness, satiety, like we have to pay attention to that stuff and that's a practice and no one wants to take the time to do it. Like diets are easy. Here's the food list. Just eat this in this quantity. What's yep. infinitely harder, but ends up being easier later is doing the mindfulness work and the abundance work and the moderation work and the eating to 8% fullness and figuring out what that feels like and if you've dieted for a long time, you have lost a sense yeah. of like feels like in your body. I absolutely, this is like my pet peeve when people are just like eating according to your hunger. I'm like, bitch, I'm starving all the time, right? When you're dieting. Because <laughs> your metabolism is running. You're, right. You're starving <laughs> all the time. So you don't really you slow down. So a big misconception is, yes, you eat what you want, but what you want is nutritious food with a condiment of a couple of drinks a week or cheese on your salad or a little bit of butter with your vegetables and like these like nutritional gimmies, I call them nutritional relief, nutritional gimmies, preemptive cheats that take the so that by the time you get to Friday and you typically would have binged, you're like, I'm good. I can take it or leave it. Fine. And you're not going to binge and you're also not going to quit on it because you don't feel like deprived. And I always talk about fish tacos because it's my favorite thing. I lived in San Diego for a while. Fish tacos was everywhere. If fish no tacos is on the menu, yeah, you're get I get it. But they give you like two or three. So I eat one, the way they present it, with all the stuff on it, but I eat one. And then I check in and I'm good, I don't need three. And maybe I'll take it home for another meal and because my metabolism is running in a couple hours, I'll probably eat another one. I don't feel deprived because I got fish tacos, I didn't overeat, I just check in with myself and I'm not going to be like, oh, I got fish tacos, so I might as well get a sundae and a margarita. Like, because you just live with balance or moderation, 365, like it's just, checking in with yourself, living with balance, you're never going to quit on it because you just check in. There's no binging. There's no quitting. There's no starting over. It's just a life of balance, moderation, 365. And it's so hard, like, you know, this, like when you're in that like very hardcore dieting space, yes. that can 
so intangible and it feels so tough. Like, oh my God, like, how do you do that? I would love to be there. And I'm sure you get this two people. I would love to be able to eat tacos. Like, how do you do that? And it really is a commitment to the process. And that's what people don't want to hear. So I also yeah. help their businesses and it's the same thing. It's just a different outfit. It's literally just expectation management. You have to go, you have to release. And this is what's tough, especially about the dieting industry is there's this constant, um, the, it's always like the only thing on the menu is weight loss. It's like I, every single person I talk to is like, I got to lose 30 pounds. Yeah. Like that's just a script. I got to lose 10 pounds. I got to lose 30 pounds. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like there's nothing wrong with weight loss. If that's what your goal is, I'm never going to shame you for wanting to change your body. I think that's fine. Let's talk about the reasons why. But at the end of the day, like that can't be the goal 24 seven. Yeah. Because again, I'm not going to just stick you with numbers because that would be the easy way. Cool. I can get you. I mean, losing fat is not hard. Literally just don't eat and exercise. Like losing fat is not hard, but as a trainer, that would be completely out of my integrity and completely irresponsible to give someone that right. without patience. So I always go back to like, we need to master mindfulness. And then at that point, the amounts of food and the types of food just shape right up. It's like not even an issue. It's like you just naturally gravitate towards certain foods when you're mindful. It's, I always call mindfulness the Mac Daddy tool. And it's, mindfulness is such, I hate that word because it gets thrown around and I could see people's eyes glossing over. No, it's but really, but really it's very simple. It's all, all it is is just, it's an awareness of what's happening. A low level, like not a top, like not like an extreme awareness. Extreme awareness is obsession, right? Uh, right. A low level of awareness of just how you feel. So saying something like, and this is a tool that I use with my clients, setting your phone for like an alarm clock on your phone for every three hours, but not so that you can eat every three hours, just so you can ask yourself I a month yeah and all is how hungry am i now on a scale from one to ten so you might say something like oh, i'm like seven i'll probably want to eat in the next hour that assessment that's it that's mindfulness that little tiny prompt and that little tiny intake just gives you now a little bit of time to slow down and create a healthy option within the next hour so you don't find yourself just being like oh, i'm starving most people they only register starving and stuffed that's yeah. it they <laughs> it's a, it's a one or a ten that's it. They don't because there's no, we haven't taught people how to gauge on that scale where they are on a scale from one to 10. So, you know, check in with your phone or have post-it notes around your house that say stuff like, how full are you right now? How satisfied do you feel? Um, are you having cravings? Like even these little tiny check-ins, they're just prompts. And then when you say, oh, not really craving anything right now, you just did mindfulness, right. literally just did mindfulness. Yeah. In everything you're saying about mindfulness, like I it keeps taking me back to my eating disorders. Like when I talk about it in my book, I never shared it with anyone, but I decided to write about it. And bulimia, you check out, you check out and you eat all the things. There's zero mindfulness. Yeah, it's like, I went for, I had every eating disorder. I had anorexia, exercise bulimia. Anorexia, I was counting little, every, I had little note cards and it was like shredded lettuce, five. I would count out every little thing and then it, evolved into exercise bulimia where I would take the cards and the 300 calories that I ate, I would go on the uh, elliptical and work out 300 calories. Then it got to bulimia where you completely check out and lose mindfulness altogether. And coming back from that, and I didn't go into treatment for that. I just kind of, I don't even know. I feel like I started dating my husband and I became obsessive about him cheating on me and not about food. I, I channeled my obsession into something yeah. else. And, but that's <laughs> where it went away. But that kind of checking out and I was 20 pounds heavier. Then I went to the point of completely, you know, just like meticulously, like making sure I worked out every day. 
And that was like the cortisol situation because I was always in a constant state of stress. If you are just mindful, like you're saying, this, am I hungry? And it was very hard for me, like snacks. Like I just ate breakfast, I'm hungry, but no, I just ate breakfast, I'm gonna wait till lunch. No, you're hungry, your metabolism is running, have a snack. And mm -hmm. if that was very hard for me to, because then I feel like I'm eating all day, like I'm eating too much, but I didn't remember what it felt like to be hungry because my metabolism wasn't running when I was working out cardio seven days a week, not eating anything. It was holding on to everything and my metabolism wasn't running. So once it starts running again and you do feel hungry, it's, it's odd to be like, I'm hungry and I'm eating again, but I've just had two breakfasts and, but then I started losing weight. Yeah. And women don't like think that way. So like to have you saying this, like this testament, it's everything. Well, and, you know, I think a lot of women, at least the ones that I work with, have a history of like obsessive dieting or obsessive eating. Yeah. They're really scared to get hungry. They're really scared yeah. because they feel as though they can't trust themselves. If they get hungry, it's like, watch out. They're like binge. all bets are off, right? And I get that. Yeah. And, like, so, and especially because you have mainstream magazines or mainstream dieting, you know, books telling you, make sure you have something before you go to the party because if you don't, don't go up, you can't trust yourself, right? It's like all bets are off. And like, yeah. to me, that's just 1.0 thinking. It's like, fine. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's the same as someone saying, you know, just get all the junk food out of the house. I'm like, great, good 1.0 strategy. But yeah. like, don't <laughs> Wait, we want to be able to be around any food, any time and figure it out and like not binge. So right. the 2.0 would be exposure therapy, which is go have the food that you're scared of being around because you yeah. don't trust yourself with it, have it in the house and then practice mindfulness. So I use a, a technique or I teach a tool called intermittent sampling, kind of like what you're saying with the tacos where it's like you have some and then you put it back and then you re reassess. I don't care if you eat it like five minutes later. I don't give a shit. Like I actually yeah, don't care polish off the entire pint of ice cream. I care how you polish off the entire pint of ice cream, right? So at the end of the day, the outcome will come at the, yeah. if you focus on the process. So for you, you get three tacos and you're like, cool, I'm going to have one. I'm going to see how it feels. And I might just like set a timer on my phone for like, you know, 10 minutes. I'm just like, going to wait yeah. minutes and we're just going to assess. And in the meantime, and I'm like, cool, you know what? I really want the second, a second taco. Awesome. Yeah, no judge. Fine. Like, yeah. Wait, I, Right, so have it. And then you're like, cool, I'm gonna wait another, now let me just wait like 15 minutes and see how I feel. And then you're like, yep, I want the taco. Cool, but there's like the assessment piece that a lot of people skip over. Yes, They're yep. like, tacos, I have to eat all three. Or I'm, you know, I might as well, I had one, I might as well eat all of them. Or, you know, so intermittent yes. sampling, take some, put it back, take some, put it back, take some, put it back. I don't care if it's 20 minutes later. That's effective, that's mindfulness practice. And honestly assessing if you want more. And if you do, go for it. Don't judge it. That's even worse. And to your point about eating when you're hungry, a lot of people say, well, should I eat at 10 a.m.? Because that's when I'm supposed to eat, but I'm not hungry at that time. It's like, no, like don't eat if you're not hungry. If you're not if hungry. <laughs> and I think a lot of times people don't want to get hungry because they don't trust themselves or they're like scared to eat too soon in the day because what if they binge at night again? Like, but you have to trust your metabolism is so intelligent. You have to trust that like it auto regulates, just like you were saying, it's like you started eating according to your hunger and all of a sudden you were losing weight. Like yes. that's metabolism self-regulating and your metabolism is extremely intelligent. So you really have to go through that process to see that now you can trust yourself. And I'm so glad you had that experience. Everyone needs to have that trust building experience, right? Totally. I, because you said intermittent sampling, it's making me ask the question. So many people ask me about intermittent um, fasting. Yep. I've never done it. 
and I'm not a professional, so I need to know, should I do it? Do you do it? And what are the benefits of it? So a couple things. I love this question. And I also think that um, for it works for some people and for some people it doesn't. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the three-day fast. I'm not a huge fan of like even a 24-hour fast. Okay. I'm more fan of like a 14 to 16 hour fast a couple of times a week or every day. But here's the key. And this is the, this is always like the, um, the rule of thumb that I have for my clients. Let's just say you're going to do a 16 hour fast, which means you eat at eight o'clock at night and then you don't eat the next day until noon. Okay. So a lot of people wake up and maybe they're not hungry. So they're like, cool. I can like naturally kind of not eat and it feels okay. Here's the thing is if you can get to 11, right? So you said you're going to start eating at noon. You're going to break your fast at noon. Right. If you can get to 11 effortlessly, then it will work for you. But if you're struggling before an hour out, then you need to eat earlier. Does that make sense? So like, yeah. for example, so it's mindfulness if, again, if you are white knuckling it, yeah, mindfulness, 9am on like, sorry, you're not going to be fasting. Like that's not going to work for you. What does because it do? Like, what is the benefit? Yeah, so there's a benefit. So a couple of benefits. Number one, and this is one that's really surprising to people, but it's actually really nice, is from a psychological perspective, you're not thinking about food as much, which is like nice. I don't know about you, but like I, when I was eating like seven times a day when I was competing, I was always thinking about food. I was thinking about food. I was cutting food. I was prepping food. I was cooking yeah. food. I was washing fucking Tupperwares. So like you're, it's a constant. It's constant. And when I went to fasting, I do a 14-hour fast, and I'm not like super strict with it, but like naturally I end up fasting for about 14 hours a night. And naturally, like, it's pretty easy for me. And if I found myself white knuckling it, I would certainly break my fast. Like, I would just be like, you know what? Not for me because I know myself well enough to know I'd binge later. And so when I was competing, um, I remember, like, just eating seven times a day and being completely obsessed with it. So for some people, it's psychologically easier to yeah. not eat as many times throughout the day. So that's, that's one advantage. There is an advantage to – I wouldn't say there's a fat loss advantage. Like, to me, if you're, if you're like, oh, this is going to take it to – like, it's not. There okay. is. Um, a little bit of a like a brain health people have reported like cl more clarity and also fasting is the fastest way to sensitize your cells to insulin so for example if you are someone who is maybe moving towards metabolic syndrome or diabetic it's always good to have your cells be sensitive to insulin because insensitivity is diabetes right we our, our bodies can't yeah. hear insulin um, and so, you know, we just pee it out, right? So we like pee out our blood sugar because we just can't take it up. So right. uh, instead, if you do feel like you want to build muscle, because we need sensitive cells to insulin to build muscle, if you feel like you might be uh, moving into like metabolic syndrome or like even just metabolic dysregulation or hormonal imbalance, it's the fa fasting is the fastest way to sensitize your cells to insulin. So if you have blood sugar regulation issues, then fasting might help as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because I was like, I don't even know why I want to do this. Yeah. Like, I have found that now that my metabolism is running, if I eat, I can like maintain my weight. So <laughs> why would I want to fast? But there are benefits to it. <laughs> that makes sense. But you honestly don't need to. Like to me, if you're having to force it, it's not, it's not the way. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And it always uh, comes down. Like, Aaron, it always comes down to just your uh, your results, right? So for you, you're like, my clothes fit. I get to eat what I want. Like, my, I love my workouts. Like, everything's just gravy. Why would you change it? But I found that at 37. I'm 38 now. My 20s, and I feel like there are a lot of women still that are like, okay, so you eat all the time and you lift heavy. And the women that can't kind of wrap their minds around that, which was me. Like, how do you... I don't know. It's, it's hard for me. And again, as a professional, I'm like, why well, I, I tell everybody I eat all the time now and I lift heavy. 
at, you're a professional. Like, how do you say it so that women will pivot from cardio every day, not eating, and feeling frustrated that they're not losing weight to this lifestyle of like balance, moderation, and lifting heavy? Yeah, you have to lift heavy. I mean, that's what's hard about this is like, you know, I think, and it's not like that's thing. it hurts like it's painful <laughs> you know like if you're really doing it to the point that like you have to rest like so for me i always work to like failure or near failure in my sets and that's really intense but it's really short like i don't exercise for longer than like 20 or 30 minutes max like whereas wow. before him for four hours a day i mean like that's but i i didn't have to go as i couldn't go as intensely right because i'm like if i'm getting on elliptical for an hour like i'm gonna automatically pace because I have 59 minutes left. So um, right. the shorter your workout, the more intense it can be. Um, and intensity is directly correlated with physique results, like hands down, right? So I think about cardio, and it's not that cardio is necessarily bad. I think, you know, some, I think cardio sometimes gets bad rap. Um, I think that cardio is just low leverage. It's just low leverage. Like it's You don't just get as much bang for your buck. Almost. Right. It's a small dial mover, right? Like it, it okay. gives you... It's shown in research to have a little bit of mood enhancement benefit. You know, for some people, they, you know, like that runner's hot, totally. you know, you, you do feel better. And it's been shown in research to increase like your, you know, Endorphin. positivity and things like that and your body confidence. But nothing, weight training is, has been shown over and over again to increase self-efficacy, which is your uh, feeling that you can do other stuff in your life, you know? So for example, if you are going through stuff in your job or you're going through stuff in your relationship, like go to the weights. Like that's, what's going to make you feel there's nothing comparative to like getting underneath a heavy barbell and seeing yourself lift that weight. That's going to make you feel like, holy shit, I can take on so much other stuff because oh, really? look, I am, you know, so there's a self-efficacy about weight training that really matters, but weight training leverages. That's the one thing that, like I said, when you gain muscle, you're doing yourself a favor. It's like putting money in your 401k. It's literally yeah. the more muscle you build. It's literally like setting yourself up for uh, a healthy, healthy retirement. Because as you get older, we know it's harder to maintain your bones, you know, uh, can like number one thing to keep your bones strong is to have is to weight train as well. So, it, you know, for us, I'm the same age, 38. And like we, we get lifting like it has to be, I would say, like at least 70 percent of your of your exercise should be weights. And I just finally switched to that. I run because I have two toddlers and I need just like a moment. And yeah. like I just want to listen to my music and like go away. Like you said, like endorphins, sure. I come back and I'm like. I'm good. I don't run to lose weight. It's right. It's more like mental, but I can, I know I see some people on here and I know that they're probably like they're. It's the stigma of bulking up like weight. Like I don't want to lift weights and lift heavy. I just want to tone. I did not have any muscle tone whatsoever until I started lifting much heavier than I was. And the reason I wasn't lifting much heavier is because I only wanted to tone, but there was nothing happening when I was lifting like the tens or the 15s. You have to, to get the tone and you're not gonna bulk. It's like, I, I try to, I always catch myself because I'm like, I'm not a trainer. Like, so now that I have you, are mm -hmm. they gonna bulk up <laughs> if women lift heavy? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this. This is good because uh, when you think about, if you're adding muscle and you're not burning fat, then you will appear larger, right? It's like putting right. on a jacket over two sweaters or something like that, right? It's like, if you're building muscle underneath fat and you're not burning yeah. fat, but like we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the ultimate way to, to burn fat is to gain muscle. Because again, remember for every pound of muscle you're putting on, you're increasing your resting metabolism by just that many more calories. So eventually 
you will lose fat as a result of having a higher metabolism because now you have more muscle mass in your body. So yes, uh, sure. In the interim, and this is what I always see with women that, you know, you might, they're training for like three months and they're like, Oh my God, I'm like the Hulk. And I'm like, you're, first of all, you're not right. It's just, it, there's a lot of, of going, there's a lot going on. You're a beginner, like your body's responding, which is a good thing. Yeah. Muscle maturity is really important. Like having that muscle on your frame is going to increase your metabolism. It's going to allow for you to get away with more nutritionally even because it's metabolically active. So, and it's also a good detoxifier. So if you do like drinks, like this is important. If you are, you know, <laughs> you're someone who likes alcohol, it's one of the best ways to detoxify. So you have to get a weight training workout in after a day of drinking, like period, most important thing. And not because you're trying to burn off the calories, but because no. it detox and keeps your system clean. And no, so I have no idea. I always go for a run and try to like sweat out alcohol. I mean, that's it's one way to detox. Yeah, that's one way to detox. Or you can lift weights and sweat from yeah. weight training. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. I just feel, and I, I have to bring this up because I did want to ask you about like, I know you coach people on social media and I obviously don't have a following like you, but the negativity and like the trolls. I watched something the other day and you said that somebody said gross or yuck or something. Yuck. Yeah. Your body is goals, first of all, as you know. Thank you. And for somebody, how do you, obviously you handle it head on. Like if someone says something like that, like you could have like a hundred positive comments, like get it girl, you look great. Do you obsess about the one which I do, <laughs> does it ruin your day? And then also the second part, like someone that would say that to you and would say yuck about someone that has muscle definition, obviously they're probably really thin. You wouldn't go to their page and be like, gross, you're thin. So it's like, how does someone have the gall to like even say that to you? Like, how do you, I just want you to speak on that, yeah. like how you handle negativity and trolls. You know, I'm pretty lucky to be honest. You know, people who follow me like know me very well. I've been super open. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been talking on the internet for 10 years. So, you know, my, my people are pretty awesome. The person who put that in, you're always going to get stuff like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everyone is entitled to their personal opinion. So I'm like, Ooh, like, yeah, I mean, I think it's weird. Like we get in a whole separate conversation of like that. It's kind of weird that you feel the need to leave a comment like yeah, that. You would never do that to her. About yeah, like, or whatever. up to someone at the grocery store and being like, yuck, yes. like no, that, but we do that on social media because, because yeah. of, because of the screen. But at the end of the day, I'm like, cool, not for you. But I personally can't be mad when someone comments on my muscle. Cause I'm, that's what I'm trying to fucking do. You're you know, get, it out there. exactly. Right. Like I'm, trying to, I'm out here trying to get swole. Like that's my goal. Yeah. So if someone, like you have so much muscle. Like, I get it all the time. I get, you know, I think it's from dudes and it's a compliment. It's oftentimes a compliment. It's like, you could lift more than me. You're bigger than me. You have more muscle than me. Like, and I'm like, yeah, awesome. like you're crushing it lift <laughs> than you. I've been doing this shit for 20 years. Like, of course I have more muscle than you. So I don't take it personally. I don't take it as a bad thing. How can I take it as a bad thing when it's my literal goal? So the best thighs I just read. Sorry. What <laughs> <laughs> a genetic. <laughs> yeah, genetics for sure. Um, but it is, it's one of those things where, you know, I think Art. if you're finding yourself really sensitive to it, ask yourself how on board with your own goals you are. Right. I think that's a distinction because there's always going to be someone who's, who your physique is not their favorite. I don't care if you have like, quote, the perfect physique. Like, you know, we see supermodels walking down the runway who are supposed to have the perfect physique and we're like, that's gross. It's too thin. Yeah, or it's too thin. Exactly. Bone. You can't like, win. You're no, it's shamed, you're fat shamed, you're muscle shamed. Like it's, and like, you, you just, like you said, you, you're 
on board with your own goals and you know what you want to do. So it's like, if they're not in line with that, like they're just not for you. And it's almost like saying like, great, well then I'm doing what I want to do. If I look muscular, that's exactly what my goal is. Like, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, to I'm totally cool with it. To me, it's like everyone's entitled to their own opinion. It's their body. I think it's bizarre when people comment on other people's bodies. I mean, yes. even, like, like, I love getting positive comments about my body and like, I'm always welcome those. But like, again, like it's an aesthetic preference. I think the aesthetic is changing a little bit. And so I do think that muscle is a little bit more well received, especially in fitness spaces, obviously. Um, but I do think that we have a, a long way to go. And I, but at the end of the day, like I, I'm the big fan of just like, do you, and then if you're going to own it to me, I can't be mad if someone calls me swole or someone calls me buff or someone wants to arm wrestle me. I think that's fucking weird. But I'm also, yeah. <laughs> but there are so many people following you because they want to look exactly like you do. And it's so funny. I talk about it in my book. Like, I remember when I was like going through my eating disorders, like I would like look at my butt and be like, I just, I thought I just wanted to get rid of my butt. I wanted to be like straight up and down. And now I'm like, I need how I'm like doing all the hip thrusts, like trying to get a butt. Like I want, I see all these girls that have like a perfect, like big butt. And like, that was like what I was anti. And now it's like all I want, like it does change and your perception changes and I don't know. It's just so sad. Like for my twenties, just how I looked at myself and my confidence and eating disorders and everything. And to find finally like a balance, like the moderation 365, like to have a glass of wine, like, every little time you put up your board, I'm like, yes, <laughs> like everything you write on your board, like you drink lifts heavy and drinks wine. Yeah. Yep. 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 Because people that don't like, well, I can't have a glass of wine because then I'm like off the rails. And then you had a glass of wine, so you might as well drink all weekend and start over on Monday. It's not a start over. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle of balance and moderation. And once you get to it, it's not, it sounds like it's not that hard to do anymore because you're, like you said, you're mindful and yep. you just kind of come more in touch with your body and you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full, you respect fullness. And if you want a cocktail, you have it, but you kind of like make up for it and balance it out somewhere else in your day. Like if, you I think, have, if I have a beer at happy hour, I don't have one with dinner. It's just like that. I think that um, in general, we really overemphasize every nutrition decision. Like we feel like every nutrition decision is a huge decision. We're like, oh my God, this one drink is putting me back five years. It's like, okay, no, it's actually not, you know, so yeah. I my girls like your efforts are cumulative so you know you have one drink like you're not going to gain weight overnight you didn't lose everything you work for i think this myopia of like looking at every single nutrition decision as like really really important your metabolism is so smart like literally like it will figure it out and the idea that we have a set metabolic rate i think that's one of the things too that people think well my metabolism is uh 1800 calories so i can't eat more than that like look you have a very dynamic metabolism. Some days you might be burning 600 calories. Some days you're burning 20, you know, 2,200 calories. Some days wow. you're burning one, like literally it changes day to day. So if you are tracking calories and going, I have to have, I was talking to this woman like last week and she's like, I eat 1,675 calories. And I was like, why that number? Right? Like <laughs> yeah. right. some person might've ran her metabolic rate 10 years ago and told her that that was her metabolic resting metabolic rate. And it's like, okay, but inputs like stress, sleep, you know, food that you eat, exercise, training, lifestyle. Are you sitting at a desk all day? Are you chasing toddlers? Yeah. Right. Everything. Hey, it's different, right? Every day yeah. it's different. 
we all know that if like you skimp on sleep, like you're craving. So it's like all of these things. So your metabolism is fluid. It's dynamic. It's changing. And you're, and you have to trust that your metabolism can handle it. It's not going to, and I, I hear women all the time saying, um, you know, I can't even look at a carb or I gain weight. And I'm like, you've taught your metabolism to do that though, right? You've taught your metabolism to be so starved that of course, when you finally give it the thing that it wants, it's going to respond. Like it's, it's going to show up versus doing what we're talking about, more of this like moderation 365, more balance. Your metabolism figures it out. Yeah. Will you gain maybe a pound or two when you first start? Sure. Some people do. Some people lose. Some people stay the same. But it all comes out in the wash, and that's why you have to have the, the longevity in the process. You have to but trust this, the process. Yeah, this like myopia of like every single nutrition decision is so important. It's like, not only is that obsessive, but it's not true. Right. And so everything counts. So you don't have to wait till Monday. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can right. literally just have a salad at your next meal and be like right back on track. Totally good. Put some ranch dressing on that, and we're good to go. You're fine. Someone's asking, does age count too? Uh, yeah. I mean, your age matters. I mean, that definitely is something to consider, especially from a hormonal perspective. Most important thing, uh, as we get older, a couple of things, you want to have as much muscle mass on your body as possible. And second, because you lose estrogen and progesterone and, and those decrease, yeah. your body is more susceptible to stress, to cortisol. Cause so progesterone acts a little bit like a cortisol agonist. Mm. Um, so what that means <laughs> is you have as much, then the effects of cortisol are a little bit more. That's why belly fat, like when people say as they get older, like they start to pack on weight in their middle, that's more of a cortisol effect because now we don't have the buffer of progesterone. Wow. So, what it means is we really need to pay attention to things that are more restorative in a, in, in, and do less um, like high intensity interval training and less like metabolic conditioning. Like that stuff is great, but it's really high stress. If you have a healthy metabolism, and your hormones are balanced, that's, that's fine to do as, as long as you're recovering. But you want to focus instead on more restorative activity like, you know, uh, leisure walking, uh, yoga, uh, you know, like meditation, stuff like that. And also heavy, slower weight training, heavier, slower weight training that doesn't get you like this big like metabolic push. So when, like you were saying earlier, Aaron, about like you have to have the sweat, like you actually don't want to have that like massive sweat. Oh. As you're getting older, you want to have the, the you want to have the heaviness in the muscle. You should leave the gym being like, "Wow, my arms are really heavy right now." Like wow. you want that feeling because that's going to be a better uh, have a better impact on your stress management than this like really high intensity like running around. I call them circus workouts where you're like running around constantly. You kind of want to stay away from some of that stuff, and then you also need to have on the other end you need to have this more restorative lowering of cortisol activity as well. So you need to pay attention to some of that stuff, like yoga, meditation. So, oh, taking yeah. a walk, not a yeah. six mile run for di like for yeah. time. Things like <laughs> I'm like, always uh, trying to like beat my split times. Like you're mm -hmm. saying, maybe calm down a little. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not bad. Like you're obviously it's working for you now, but well, for us, I'm getting older. I, I feel like I don't know lots of information. Like my periods are getting like jacked up now, and I call my doctor, and she's like, "Well, you're ending like you're getting to the end of your fertility." And I'm like, "Oh my god, okay, like I am getting older. Like maybe I do need to do things like a little bit differently." Um, yeah, I was going to say, if you had like 15 or 20 minutes, like you're on vacation or something and you can, you got 20 minutes to get in a workout, like to get the most bang for your buck, like, what do you do? What do yes. you do in that? 
So, I mean, it depends on like, again, where you're at. I think metabolic conditioning workouts are great. Like I have a program called Physique Finishers that is just metabolic conditioning workouts. It's that like high intensity, you're going to get burned in the muscles, but you're also going to get breathless. So you're going to get the sweat, but you're also going to get to the point of having to rest because you're reaching failure at times. So you're going to have this kind of push, rest, push, rest, push, rest scenario, kind of like interval training, but it's more yeah. you it uh based on your own you know how your body's feeling so those are great i also am a big fan of emoms so emoms are every minute on the minute so if you have 20 minutes pick yeah. two exercises and do 10 reps of one exercise on minute number one and then 10 reps of the second exercise on minute number two so and then you alternate that all the way to 20 minutes and nice. really on a volume. So one of my favorite EMOMs is something like 10 shoulder presses followed by 10 push-ups. And I literally, and so you end up getting a hundred reps of each over the course of 20 minutes, but you get a lot of volume and your body's going to respond to that. Another one I like is 10 squats uh, followed by 20 plyometric lunges. If wow. you're doing body day and you alternate those for 20 minutes and I'll just do those, but like I minutes, I want to try and get the most out of it as possible. Your metabolism is going to respond to that. Love it. And I, you have to be breathless to be doing that, like everything on the minute. Oh, yeah. Love that. Okay, perfect. Because I'd always be like, I need to get in a run. If I have 20 minutes, I'm just going to get in a run. And it, it, I still, like, I, I guess I haven't deprogrammed myself from that going for a run and getting in a lift. I think um, a run, like, for me, I'm like, all right, I'm doing 20 minutes. Like, I'm going to push my pace then, right? So I'm like, cool, I'm doing 15 minutes. I'm doing, I'll do a 10 minute run, just push my pace for 10 minutes, right? And that's, yeah. and that's worth it too. What I don't necessarily want to see is you going out for like, unless you're training for like a race or something, you do not need to be running yeah. more than like three miles at a time, you know, like that. You really don't have to be. <laughs> for, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. No, for physique reasons, you don't have to. But if you just love it, like, you know, I know okay. we had some. Mentally, this right. No, yeah, I just feel like mental. if I go for three miles, I don't feel like I'm back yet. Like I need six miles to come back and be like, <laughs> three miles so right I, it's like an it, eight and a half minute pace. so 25 minutes and i'm good and here yes and here's how you'll know like if you're doing six miles i i think it's fine but here's how you'll know if it stops working if your hunger and start going through the roof then you're like too much cortisol right that's killing me okay yeah mindfulness again it all comes back to mindfulness and checking in it does i am so inspired by your story and i know we talked about like fitness tips sure people that like want to start a business like i just want if you could briefly share your story i i did share your um strong fitness article but for people oh. that read it how you came about like with your business and like how you turned almost like heartbreak into all the success and like how you pivoted from a situation like if you could share that for somebody sure. maybe going through like depression or a divorce or some situation yeah. So um, when I stopped competing, that's when I started my business. And I was like, okay, like I've started my business. I really have to figure this out because I can't be at the gym three times a day. I can't afford to be thinking about food this much. And so I was like, how can I figure this out? And that's where Moderation 365, you guys are not following the Moderation 365 account. Go ahead and do that. Tools yes. um, and tips and strategies and stories go. Um, and so that's where that curriculum started to come out of that. And at the same time, I was really, I was coaching a lot of people and within about eight and I was just blogging every day. So this is back in like the golden age of blogging, like 2010, 2011, I was blogging every single day for two years. 
And we had grown our one-on-one coaching business to like a six-figure business within 18 months. And people just started asking me like, hey, how are you growing your business? Like, what's happening? How are you, how are you doing what you're doing? And I was like, I don't know everything, but I like know what I've done and I can certainly share what I've done. And so I started doing a little bit of light business coaching, like just a couple of people, a couple of months, like see how it goes. Um, and then over time, I just started being like, cool, I am a fitness professional who has a business I'm not a businesswoman yet. So I was like, I have to figure this out. So I went back and I started reading books and uh, hiring coaches and mentors and going and doing courses and just like immersing myself in the internet business. And it was around 2014 that, and my husband also at the time, my ex-husband was building his business similar to me. So we were kind of like coming up together in the internet space and he's a physician and he um, was like, a, he had a company called Metabolic Effect and Jill Fit was coming up at the same time. And we were just really spending so much time together and so much time building the business. And like, I mean, it was so great. We loved what we were doing, but we kind of, I think, lost our way in our relationship. And it right. wasn't that bad. It just like, we just stopped right. watering. We stopped tending to it. And I found out in 2014 that he had been having an affair for two years. Um, and at this point, we had been together for about seven years. And, you know, I mean, that's not a long time for some people, I'm sure, have been married for 30 years or 40 years. That's amazing. No, it's um, a long time. It was, it was obviously devastating for our relationship. And it was the affair had been over for about 18 months. So that was like kind of confusing as well. And we, I, I mean, I thought this was my person, right? Like this is the person that like, we did everything together. We lived together, worked yeah. together, traveled together. Like we were constantly together and I was devastated. I don't know what that looked like, especially because we were both had personal brands. So I'm like, okay, everyone knows him and they know me and they know us together. And, you know, I thought our marriage was great. Obviously it wasn't, you know, when you go through all the like shame and embarrassment associated with that, I remember I like, didn't want to tell anyone. I was like, no. this is just like, I mean, I don't even know what to make of this. And it really was, it took me about a full year and we kind of wanted to work on it. Um, and, but we know what that looked like. And I was embarrassed and I had never gone through something like that. And I was devastated. And I didn't know what that didn't looked you like. you say like you also hadn't even gone to dinner by yourself at that point? Like you, you were like almost like codependent with him. So for you, it totally. had to be like a whole shock. Totally. Like oh, totally. Like, I mean, I didn't even know, I didn't know, like, you know, it's funny is like, I was like, I'm a strong independent woman. And I was in a way, right. but I was when I had a support, right. when I had the like support behind me and I had been in long relationship after long relationship, it was a serial monogamous. So it was like three year relationship, three year relationship and then marriage. Right. And so it was, um, I felt like a strong woman and I certainly was, you know, had a business and I was doing all the things, but I was like, I don't know what this might look like. If it's not this marriage, what does it look like? Right. And so I literally just like took myself to dinner. I like went to the mountains for like a couple of nights by myself and I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm a fucking yeah. loser. Like you go through all of those things. And right. so I ended up, um, from there, I booked a two week trip to Italy by myself and I didn't speak the language. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to figure it out. And I like booked it on a whim and I guess I'm going. And the whole time it's like awkward as hell. Like people are talking to me in Italian and men are asking me to cook them, me to cook them to cook me dinner. And like, I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. But I remember getting back from that trip and being like, holy shit, I did that. It was so do it. And yeah. like uncomfortable the entire time, but like I survived, like I yeah. me good be on my own like I can maybe do this and I know this sounds so strange I was only no like, it's amazing <laughs> but like I, you know you just don't know and so from no. there 
up going to Australia for a month by myself and I ended up going to Europe for nine weeks. Um, and so <laughs> it built on itself and that year was a ton of travel. And then I got home a year later and nothing had really changed. Uh, he was still kind of in love with the woman he had been with and I could see that things really weren't changing. So I ended up like literally within a week made a decision to move across country. I was living in North Carolina at the time and packed up all my shit in my car, everything I owned and drove across country and had a lease in Los Angeles within a week. And wow. Yeah. I mean, I hated every second of it, <laughs> but no, look what you built, Joe. I'm so glad that I did it. You know I mean? That's and to me, like, it found you and like what you're supposed to be doing. Like, do you feel like without that push, like not that you would be staying stagnant because you were, you said you like six figure business, you were doing it already, but to where you've taken it now, what did it take that push for you to go out on your own and move to LA? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a complete person. You know, my ex and I are actually really tight now after wow. going through he did a complete 180 and he's a totally different person than he was back then and has, you know, really strong integrity and honesty and like works through all his own shit. So we're just great friends at this point. And he's wow. like, he's just like, you're a totally different person. It's funny. Cause like that looking back, I'm like, I'm still the same person, but I think without having that extra layer of having to work on myself and it sounds so cliche, like I had to work on myself. Um, yes. So Shelly's asking if I filed for divorce. Yeah. I filed for divorce a year, about a year after I was in LA um, he ironically actually moved out to LA about eight months after I moved out there, uh, like 10 blocks down the street. Um, so that was like a little bit confusing for a time, but you know, we ended up working through all of our stuff and really it was just because we both were committed to communication and really wanted to like get to the bottom of like what our own personal issues were that ended up showing up in our marriage. Um, so that we could be better partners moving forward to whoever, you know, we moved on to. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a crazy time and also trying to like build a business and keep that going and be financially independent, even though I had been financially independent, it's different when you don't have that like support system and anyone who's been through divorce or relationship stuff knows that's a little bit scary. Um, and just starting over in a new place, I didn't know anyone in Los Angeles, you know? So I'm going there and I'm like, I literally know no one. I joined like three different gyms right away. I was like, these are my yeah. people. Like, let me find people. <laughs> Live yeah, <late>. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, just, it forces you to, to grow up. You know, even though you feel grown up, it's like it, it forces you to take, to just level up in a new way. And I'm so, at this point, I, I'm so grateful for it. If you would ask me like five years ago, if I was grateful, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Of course not. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. No, I'm like, I'm at you. It right? like gave you that push. And it almost like to find your successful, like exactly what you were supposed to do. So like, I don't know. And, and I, like I said, like without that push, like maybe you would have stayed stagnant and just like what you were doing in North Carolina. And okay. while it was heartbreak, you guys have, you have a great relationship now. You're doing like big things now. And maybe that's like what was supposed to happen as hard as it was. And like good you know, for you. It, like whether it was supposed to happen or I made it happen, well, you yeah, just do it. True. Like, you, I remember when I left, the morning I left the house and, and drove, started driving to LA, it was literally like, I could stay or go. Like that's, it was just like 50, 50, oh like God. two yeah. literally it was like, I could stay. I remember driving to Starbucks. It was like five in the morning. I drove to Starbucks to get coffee and I just cried in the parking lot for like 15 minutes. And I was like, I could just go back right now. Like it'd be so easy oh to just turn right back around. Like he didn't want me to go. I could have just turned right back around. I remember I just made a left and I went right onto the highway and I drove straight for 16 hours that day. I was like, I'm not, I didn't have any fucking music on. I was just like, <laughs> literally like in like the vortex, just getting, get me there. And I remember the night that I got there, I drove to uh, St. Louis and I got into a hotel and I was like, wow, this is the shittiest day of my life. This is the absolute shittiest day of my life. And I said, you know what, if I can find like five things to yes. be great, 
The five things, yes. <laughs> oh, okay, like this, then it's not that bad. And I remember I still have my list on my phone. I still have like a little note on my phone that has the five things that I'm grateful for. And that's always, that's been important to me. It's like, cool, like if I can find five things to be grateful for the shittiest day of my life, I'm going to be okay. And you still use that now. Like you, if you're having a bad day, you go to the five things. But that was born out of like your journey and your heartbreak. Yeah. Like now you have like a coping mechanism. Thank you for doing this. Oh my God, I've been following you for so long. And I was like, do you think that maybe you would like to? You're like, sure, I'd love to. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, oh my God, this is I so I know cool. it helps people. I want everybody to follow Moderation365. And then really quickly, the Best Life Podcast. What do you guys talk yeah. about? Yeah, so the Best Life Podcast is actually born out of the story I just told. Um, I have a co-host, Danny J., who had a very almost identical situation with her husband a year after I went through what I went through. And oh it, uh, called me up and, you know, we talked about it and she was like, I don't know what to do. Her husband of 10 years. And we have very similar stories, very similar businesses. And I just said, come out to LA, like come out to LA, stay with me. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. So anyway, she came out to LA and told, you know, told the whole story. And we kind of just bonded over having similar stories and being the same place in life. And about a year and a half after that, um, we started the best life and we literally just started with a bang. We, we started, we talked about the affairs, the very first episode. So we're not pulling any punches. Like, you know, infidelity is traditionally such a taboo subject and it's so shameful for everyone involved. But for me, there's so much catharsis in talking about it and letting people know that they are not um, alone in this. And that it's so common, especially after we start talking about it. I mean, Erin, you can't imagine how many DMs we get all the time from I'm women sure. who are going through it, went through it, you know, scared of going through it. Like, oh my God, it's, it's happening all the time. So if, if it's going on with you, like you're not alone and don't feel shame over it happening. It, it is something that goes on. And so I want to elevate that conversation. I think that's really important. So that's a lot of the content that's on the best life. So moderation, okay. success, fitness stuff, like that's all Jill fit stuff. Uh, the Best Life podcast is mostly focused on relationships, infidelity, communication, honesty, integrity, stuff like that. Amazing. Follow all of those. Jill, thank you so much for your whole hour of time. This was so much fun. I got all my questions in. So there you have it from Jill Coleman, turning heartbreak into the fitness empire that she has today. And backing up that balance works. You don't need to be in the gym for two hours a day, only doing cardio. 20 to 30 minutes a day, lift heavier weights than you're lifting now if you're looking for fat loss, and have a cocktail. Live with balance and moderation 365. Love it, Jill. Thank you so much for joining me. You can follow Jill at JillFit on Instagram and moderation365. You can go to JillFit.com if you want to sign up for any of her courses. And you can also follow her podcast, The Best Life Podcast. And thank you for listening to my podcast. If you haven't, please, please subscribe. We're on Podcast One, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. I love doing this. I want to keep doing it. Please subscribe. And I'll see you guys next week for a new episode of Squats and Margaritas. Yeah.